0: Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Well, good morning, City Bridge Community Church. My name is Derek Matthews. I get to serve here as our Director of Teaching Ministries. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we made it. Uh, um, We've had a joy kind of moving through the book of Hebrews these last several months. And now we've kind of moved past the first 10 chapters and we're into 11. And for many people, Hebrews 11 is their favorite chapter in the book of Hebrews. And for some people, it's their favorite chapter in the entire Bible. And so we're gonna take the next three weeks, moving slowly through Hebrews chapter 11 uh, as we transition into the rest of our time in the book of Hebrews this semester. And so let me read to you our passage this morning. It's gonna be the first seven verses, and then uh, we'll dive right in. So uh, Hebrews 11 verse one says this. "'Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, commending God commending him by accepting his faith, by his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning the events yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Hebrews 11, verses one through seven. So it was eight years ago that my wife and I were living in Mansfield, Texas, just south of Arlington, and we put a for sale sign in front of our house before we had any idea what was coming up next for us. And so we were serving at a church down in Mansfield. I was the student pastor, then the teaching pastor of that church, but we started to feel that Lord was leading us to something else, something new, something different, but he wouldn't tell us what that was. And so he invited us into walking by faith and not by sight. And he wouldn't give us step two through 50. He just gave us step one, which is to put a for sale sign out in front of our front yard, not knowing, whether or not I had a job somewhere next, not knowing whether or not uh, we were gonna move uh, into a different town, different city, not knowing what I was gonna do, not knowing really anything with what next. God created a gap between what I knew and what we didn't know, what was comfortable and what was this new adventure that he would have us on. And by God's sovereign plan, by the time that we had actually sold our house, uh, we had gotten a job through the Watermark Institute that led to the job that I now have here. And so I'm here today, because of a for sale sign that was put out in our yard before we had any idea what was next. And the reality of it is what what was happening in us is in that gap between what we knew and what we didn't know, it was easy and natural to kind of have this welling up of fear, of uncertainty, of questions, of doubt, And yet what God was doing in our life was he was growing this very specific aspect that he desires in us and for us, and that is faith, trust, that he's the one navigating our life. And so I don't know where you're at right now in your journey with Jesus, I don't know if right now the Lord's been kind of putting something on your heart that you're going, okay, I feel like this thing has been welling up in me. And I feel like, man, I really want to know steps two through 50, but I only know step one. But I want to have all my T's crossed and all the I's dotted beforehand. But God's not giving that to you. And it's been weeks, it's been months, and it's been maybe even years in which this is welling up in you. And it's aligned with God's word, aligned with God's will. You've talked about it maybe with your spouse or community, and they're affirming that. And what God is inviting you into is to walk by faith, not by sight. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a big decision. Maybe it's a new direction for you or your family. Maybe it's adding a kid. Maybe it's adoption. Maybe it's starting a new ministry. Maybe it's writing a book. And you can't escape it to a point in which you start to feel, man, it feels like I'm living in sin because I'm not walking in faith in this. Or maybe for you, it's not this huge thing. Maybe it's just this revealed will that God has communicated to you. And maybe a a conviction that's welling up in you of going, man, I I know God's calling me to reconcile this relationship. I know God's calling me to reach out to this sibling or this parent that we haven't talked to in a while. I know that God is calling me to confess this sin that I thought I was gonna leave and, and take it to the grave with me. And God is asking you to go, hey, I'm telling you your next faithful step, but I'm not gonna tell you the outcome. I just want you to trust me. I just want you to trust me. Or maybe for a lot of us, man, it's just the day-to-day realities of the mundane of life that we're going, what I, what I need right now, God, is patience. What I need right now, God, is peace. What I need right now, God, is, is just this assurance. And God is only giving you your next faithful step, and he's inviting you to not walk by faith, or to, to walk by faith and not by sight. And in that, for many of us, those same feelings can kind of arise, right? Maybe there's fear, maybe there's doubt, maybe there's insecurities, but what God is doing in all of us is he's setting us up to create a deeper level of dependency on him because he's better. And the foundational element of our relationship with God is one of trusting him. And so he will create gaps in your life. He will, between what you know and what you don't know between the familiar and the comfortable and the void. And what he's calling you to do is to jump out by faith, not into the void, but into his grace, into his provision, into his protection, so that you would grow in what it means to walk by faith. What God desires of you is for you to put your yes on the altar before him and then say, God, now whatever you want, I've already said yes. And so I don't know what it is for you, but this is what we would call the adventure of faith, that it's an adventure. We don't know what's next, right? At any point, God could open up the book of your life and go, okay, here's chapter one and two and three and four and five, here's everything that's coming up for you, but he doesn't. And he does that to create in us a deeper relationship with him, one that's predicated on faith. And so it's an adventure because we don't know what's next, but it's faith because we know there's someone driving this thing and he's good and he loves us. And that's exactly where we're at right now in the book of Hebrews. We've been journeying through the book of Hebrews these last couple months and we've seen it kind of broken down into these three different categories, right? That there is this superiority of Christ, like who he is in chapters one through three. And then there's a superiority of Christ's work, like what he's done in chapters four through 10. And when we begin to see those two realities playing out in our lives, then all of a sudden the most natural reaction and outcome is that not only is Jesus better, but following him is better. Living a life for him is better. And so what we're moving into now is the superiority of Christianity, that the Christian life is fundamentally better than anything else that you can have because you get what is better than anything else. And the foundational element that this passage will hit us over the head with is that the way you live this life is by faith, by faith. 29 times in chapter 11, you hear by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, that what God wants for us is to believe in him and then to keep on believing every moment of every day as he develops those muscles of grace and faith in our lives. And so we're gonna be looking at faith. And it's important to note that chapter 11 comes right after chapter 10, okay? Write that down. If you remember, this was a sermon that a guy was given. The book of Hebrews was a sermon. And so he would have just said this phrase right here. That, but we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are not those who kind of drift away from the person of Jesus, but rather we're the ones that draw near. But how do you draw near? How do you preserve your soul? It's by faith. And so that yields the natural question. Okay, if it's not by these rituals that we've been talking about these last couple of weeks, it's about a relationship, and by coming into that relationship, it's something that's done by faith, then what's faith? What is that? And so chapter 11 is gonna unpack what faith is. It's gonna define it, it's gonna demonstrate it, and then it's gonna show why God desires this above everything else in our relationship with him. And so the hope of this morning and the hope of the next several weeks is that we would look at faith as the foundational element of how we approach God, but also the functional element of how we live our lives. And as we define it, as we demonstrate it, we're gonna see a lot of individuals that lived this out. And the hope is not just to applaud them, but the hope is to see them. And that would impact how we live our life, marked by faith. And so first up, we're gonna see faith defined. Verse one says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. And so right here, we see the definition of faith that we see this one singular word in the Greek is the word pistis. And that word faith is also belief or trust. Pistis is translated three different ways. And so it's the synonyms of one another. Sometimes it's a verb, sometimes it's a noun, sometimes it's a you know, grammar, nerd, right? Okay, it's used the same way in different ways. And so if you say, I believe you, I trust you, I have faith in you, you're saying the same thing. I'm placing my hope, my trust in something that you are or something you're saying. And this right here is the most condensed definition we get in our Bible of what that means. That it's the assurance of things hoped for, it's the conviction of things not seen. So the Bible does this a lot, right? In which it gives you kind of the same thing a couple different ways. And so let me define it just using these exact words. That faith is the assured conviction of things hoped for, though not yet seen. That faith is not This blind, wishful, cross your fingers, hopeful. It's not that. But rather it says it's an assured conviction. It's an assuredness. It's a conviction. I am rooting my life in this. I am assured of it. I'm convicted by it. But by its very definition, it's something that you haven't received yet. Something you haven't seen yet. It's something that you hope for that's out there but isn't realized in this moment. It's not yet seen. And so that's what faith is. That's how it's defined. And the truth is, when you realize that, you realize we operate in faith all the time, right? So a couple weeks ago, you might've been assured and had the conviction that the Eagles were gonna win the Super Bowl. That did not happen, right? He's so sad. Or maybe you're not a football guy, and you're going, you know what? It's March, it's March Madness. Last year was a train wreck with my bracket, and so this is the year, this is the year that I'm gonna get a perfect bracket, which is statistically impossible, right? So it's gonna get broken in the first like five seconds, okay? Or maybe you're not a sports person, maybe you're a movie guy, movie girl, and you're going, man, I have an assured conviction that hopefully, maybe Marvel will make a good movie again. Phase four has been hard. Um, Emotionally, spiritually on me and my family, but just time will tell, right? We operate in faith all the time. We operate in an assured conviction of things hoped for and yet things that are not yet seen. And so the issue is not faith. The issue is the object of your faith. What you are putting as the center of what you're clinging to. And God desires you to put all your chips in one basket, and that's him. Why? Because God knows that he is the only one that will not and cannot fail you. You see it throughout scripture, that Jesus is constant. Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. You wanna put your faith in something, you put your faith in something that's constant but isn't just constant, it's constant in something that's true and trustworthy. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not like man, not like some guy that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do? Has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? What God says will happen. You wanna put your faith in something? You put your faith in the unchanging nature and character of God that's trustworthy. You wanna place your faith in something? you place your faith in the best thing ever. And that's Jesus. Psalm 73, who am I in heaven but you? And on earth there's nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart, they are gonna fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God wants you to place your faith in him because he's the only object of faith that will not let you down because he cannot. What he says will come to pass. And so you wanna be rooted an objective reality. And that's Him. And so God wants you to anchor your life in Him. And what's so sweet about our God is that He rewards that. Do you notice in the verse it says, For by it, by this faith, the people of old received their commendation. That means reward. <laughs> that God loves to reward your faith in Him. And the first thing He rewards you with is eternity, salvation, to be with Him forever. But as we walk in faithfulness to him, we walk by the spirit, as we simply trust him on a day-to-day basis, we receive what our hearts actually long for. Like what type of being must God be that in order to simply trust him, have faith in him, believe in him, your life would grow every day in joy, peace, patience, Kindness, gentleness, goodness, meekness, self-control, and above all, love. Who is this God that to simply believe in him and to walk with him would change your life that much? It's the God who desires to radically give to you as you radically receive from him. And we call that faith. That's what faith is. It's an assured conviction of things hoped for, but we don't have it yet. It's not yet seen, it's not yet realized. That's the definition. Definitions are good, but just like anyone that has kids, man, you can say the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and they're not gonna get it, but then they're gonna mimic the very next thing you do, right? For better or worse, that's happening. And so we see faith defined, but then the rest of the chapter is gonna demonstrate what this definition means. It's gonna give us kind of boots on the ground reality of what faith looks like. It's going to share what it is, but then show you what it is. And so we're gonna look next at faith being demonstrated. And it says in verse three, By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. And so one of the reasons it's starting here is Hebrews 11 is gonna do this kind of overview of the entire Old Testament. But it's starting here specifically, because yes, this is the beginning of Genesis, but it's also the only thing that humanity wasn't around for. And so on the foundational level, we have to trust that God has done this because none of us were there. So we have to trust that God created the world out of nothing because he was the only one around for it. And so here's what's a little tricky in the world that we live in. This is becoming harder and harder. Why? Well, we didn't get to the 21st century overnight. We're a product of history. And so back in the 17th and 18th century, just a little history lesson for us of how we got to now and why the world is so like, backwards right now is back in the 17th, 18th century, there was a thing called the enlightenment. And in the enlightenment, there was a question that began to arise in humanity, which is, hey, what is truth? And what they did in that moment was they go, okay, what is truth? But I don't wanna wanna hear revelation from God. I don't wanna hear from God's word. I don't wanna hear from Jesus, or I, I don't wanna hear from that. I wanna know what is truth. And so because they divorced themselves from God, all you're left with is yourself. So humanity started creating these constructs of go, you know how we know what's true? Either our intellectual reasoning or scientific validation. Those are the only two options. Let's cut out God from the equation. And so what that led to was an age of skepticism that said, hey, there is no truth. You got a truth, you got a truth, you got a truth. There's just kind of post-enlightenment happening, post-modernity happening. And then from there came the world we live in today, which is, hey, live your own truth. You got a truth, you got a truth, you got a truth. You just kind of live your own life, live your own truth, because what's true for you isn't true for me. And that's how we got to now. And so watch this. In a world that wanted to prove everything, we've gotten to a world that you can't prove anything. That if you declare like basic elementary level reality to people, men and women are different. Life begins at conception. You're not only ignored, you're villainized. In a world that hates truth, truth sounds like hate. And that's how we got here. We divorced ourselves from God and we were left only with ourselves. And when an individual does that, it's destructive. But when a society does that, that's demonic. Welcome to the 21st century. So what's the solution? Well, the world operates this way, because of the enlightenment. Understanding precedes faith. I wanna understand in order to have faith. Give me the data, give me the numbers, let me quantify it, let me validate it. And the sad reality of of this is simply this, that, that you'll never have enough information to change your heart. You have all the data in the world, but that doesn't equate with the one thing that God actually wants from you. And so what Augustine said was that we shouldn't operate with an understanding seeking faith, but rather reverse reverse those. I want you to have a faith seeking understanding. This is a worldview issue. That the world goes, give me all the data, give me everything, and then whenever I have all the data, I'll kind of make my choice. But here's what's hard about that, is God's fundamental relationship is predicated on faith. And so what the Christian is, is someone who enters into this world and goes, I'm gonna operate by faith. I'm trusting that there is a God, that he did create everything, that he does love me, that he did send his son for me, that he did die for me. He did raise from the grave. And now I've put all my eggs in that basket. I put all my chips in that one reality, that truth, because Jesus said, I am the truth. He is objective reality that we must reckon with. We go, okay, I agree. But then from there, we enter into a world and we begin to see the world the way God sees it. We begin to go, okay, God's got an order. I should see order in the world He made. And guess what? We see that. God's got a God of beauty. I should see beauty in the world that He made. Guess what? I see that. God's got a God of reason. And so I should see reason in the world He made. Guess what? I see that. But it's not divorced from God. It's through the lens of God. C.S. Lewis used to say, I don't believe in Christianity like I believe in the sun. I just look at it, it's there. You go blind. He says, I believe in Christianity like I believe in the sun, not because I look at it, but because I see the world because of it. It's faith seeking understanding. And so what the passage is gonna do is invite us first and foremost into this way of thinking. And look, there's good reasons to believe creation and there's intelligent designer, but all of that won't change your heart. So we enter into this world with faith. And from that, we see everything else. And so what the passage is gonna do next is gonna show us, okay, how do you live in that world? When the world that kind of hates truth and the more you speak up and stand up for truth. Like, how's that gonna go? Remember, this was a book written to a group of people that were in the midst of persecution and struggle because of their faith in Jesus. And so what the author is gonna do now is gonna do an Old Testament tour from creation all the way to the end and go, I want you to show you how these people walk by faith and what happened in the midst of it. I wanna demonstrate this to you because their faith fundamentally changed how they lived their life. We're gonna see Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And these three were specifically chosen. First one was Abel. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him as, by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And so if you remember the story of Cain and Abel, they were brothers. And they both, one day, they both brought an offering to God. They both did the same thing externally, right? Offering to God. But God looks at their offering and goes, look, one of you is operating out of religiosity, trying to earn my favor. One of you is operating, though, in a faith and trust in me. And so I'm gonna commend that one and celebrate that one. And all of a sudden, Cain, the brother, starting getting jealous, starting getting angry. But then God moved towards Cain and go, hey, Cain, this way you're thinking isn't gonna lead to life, and so repent, don't let the sin rule you. But Cain doesn't listen and go, I don't, I don't need you, God. And he goes up and through jealousy and anger rises up and kills Abel. And that's the first person that gets highlighted. So wait, you're saying, how do I endure persecution? It's by faith. Abel died. That doesn't really feel like that helps me a whole lot. But notice, though he died, his testimony goes on. He was accepted by God. He was received by God, even though the world hated him. God brought him home. Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was committed to having pleased God. So Enoch is this unique character in Genesis five. And if you've ever read Genesis 5, you've probably skimmed over it because it just says the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over over again. You're like, get to the flood, right? Get to the next one. But in Genesis 5, there's repetition on purpose because it shows over and over, hey, this guy, he died. 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 Let me tell you about Enoch. Enoch walked with God. You know, trusted God, had faith in God and death didn't take him. God did. That even in the midst of death surrounding you, God's got you. Noah, by faith being warned by God concerning the events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness as comes, you guessed it, by faith. When you read Genesis six, you see a world that's marked by anger, violence, and sexual perversion. That sound familiar? And yet this one guy walked in faith, that in the midst of the destruction around him, he goes, no, I'm putting all my hope in God, so much so that I will build a boat in the desert. You think he was made fun of? You think he was mocked? New Testament says that he spent that entire time preaching to people. Like He's sowing a piece of wood and he's just going, yeah, guys, seriously, the rain's coming. Nobody believed him until the water started rising. And it was by faith that God preserved him. So what is the author getting at by talking about Abel and Enoch and Noah? What, what is he getting at to this group of people and to us saying, hey, look, even if your family hates you, rises up against you, I got you. I got you. Even when you look around at this world and you're just seeing that the wages of sin is death and death and death and death, I got you. I got you. Even when there's sexual perversion, even when there's violence, even when there's hate, even when it's directed at you, I got you. I got you. We are people who walk by this faith and in so doing receive commendation, whether in this life or the next, that our God has us. Each of these individuals had a deep faith in God and it didn't just happen internally, it happened externally. It marked how they lived their life, even in a crazy culture that they were living in. They looked different. And it says later in Hebrews that the world was not worthy of them. Would God say that about you? That your faith is so amazing and powerful that the world would look up and take notice and go, what's going on with that guy? What's going on with that girl? Because so many of us, we go, hey, I have a faith, but it's kind of just internal. I trust all this stuff, but when you really look at yourself in the mirror and really look at your life, faith is not just internal. It's meant to be external as well. It's meant to mark your life, and so does it. Does faith mark your life? I want you to take a moment. I just want you to think about the people in your life that God's brought into your story. I want you to ask, man, who in your life would be in your little hall of faith? People that lived by faith, walked by faith. What were they like? What were they not like? How do they treat people? How do they love people? How do they encourage people? A guy for me in college was the first person I saw really walk by faith. I'd grown up in the church, and I didn't see it. I saw church, I saw faith on Sundays. I didn't see it throughout the week. And yet this one guy, I just started to see how his faith really marked his life. And he had a national platform. He would teach thousands of people each and every week. People around the country knew his name. But that's not what marked his life for me. What marked his life to me was he invited me into his life. And I got to see his life play out. I got to see how he treated people. I got to see how he talked to people. I got to see how he interacted with the world around him. I got to see how he treated waitresses. Like we would go and have this Bible study and then we would go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch MMA fights for like hours on end. And I got to see how he interacted with people. I was in the car one time with him and he got pulled over. I got to see how he talked to an officer how he showed respect and encouragement. And then I, he left and I started getting upset. Like, oh my gosh, we got to take it. We were barely going over. And he said, hey man, let's not let this mark our day. It's okay, it's okay. And we didn't talk about it. I saw a moment in his story when like all of a sudden he was literally about to teach thousands that night at a venue and that venue called him and said, we can't do it, it's canceled. And I started getting nervous for him. And he just goes, hey, everyone calm down, let's pray. And I was like, oh, that's what you should do. Hold on, let me just take a note real quick. And then, no, I'm coming, like, it was amazing. And there's people that God enters into our life with who model that faith for us. And right here, the reason the church is the church, the reason why God has given us an us is because of that, that we would be marked by, as we look around, we are like living in the hall of faith. You walk through those hallways, you interact with people, you engage with people, you are watching people who are living by faith, but then you're also sadly and tragically watching people who don't. And you're considering their way of life and their outcome. What happens when they walk by faith? What happens when they don't? And it's meant to be an encouragement and a warning to us as well. And so if you're not in community here, get into community, walk with people in faith. If you don't read Christian bios, go read Christian bios. See people who have gone before us who have lived out their faith and how that has marked their life and changed their life. Share your story with other people. Moments where you had to jump into the unknown and realize I'm not jumping into the unknown, I'm jumping with God into his grace. Share those stories and watch how your faith builds up other people's. Because here's the truth, people are watching you. The world is watching. And the faithful are watching. And you don't know what's the outcome. A good friend of mine in high school. She went off to college and she started making just terrible decisions. Ungodly, unchrist-like decisions. And she looked around at her friends and her decisions and what she had done. And she got to the end of herself and she saw the wake of destruction that was behind her. She began to drift. And one night she just looked around at just the mess she had made and she went to her dorm room. She crawled on her knees and she started praying, God, I don't want this anymore. And in that moment, God gave her a picture of a Sunday school teacher she had in elementary school. This is the last person that loved her. She didn't even remember this woman's name but she remembered her faith. And over a decade later, God used that in her life to win her back to Christ. And it changed the way she lived her life. And so you might be, gosh, right now pouring your life into your littles, God bless you. You might be in this moment right now in which you're pouring your life into holding babies down on the other end being with elementary school students, being with high school students. And I look, I've been there. It feels like you're planting seeds in the desert sometimes. But God has a way to turn deserts into gardens. And it might be in a moment or it might be 10 years later that they're at the end of themselves and they remember and they look back on your role in their life. People are watching. So demonstrate the faith that you have in Christ. Demonstrate that faith. Why is this all important? Well, because faith is desired by God to draw near. Verse six, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that seek him. This is the seventh time in the book of Hebrews, the seventh time that the phrase draw near is there. And what that's there for, it's the seventh and final time, which means that that word seven is the Hebrew idea of wholeness or completion, that the thrust of Hebrews is, I want you to draw near to me. I want you to know me. I don't want you to drift away because life is only found in me. And we see here at the seventh and climactic time that the way you do this is not by your good works. It's not by cleaning yourselves up. It's by faith. And it's faith in trusting of who God is, that he exists but also that he rewards those that seek him. And as I've been thinking about that these last couple of weeks, I've been thinking, I'm like, oh, that's the book of Hebrews, that he exists, that's chapters one through three of who he is, but also that he rewards those who have faith in him. That's what he's done, chapters four through 10. He's literally given us 10 chapters of who he is, what he's done, that he exists, that he rewards those that draw near and then says, now draw near with faith and with trust. And so I just want to end our time thinking about, okay, why faith? Of all the things, why faith? Well, because it shows us something essential about the God who is. That God desires relationship. You see, every relationship operates foundationally and functionally by faith, by trust by belief. Enemies don't have that. They don't have faith, they don't have trust. And so they put up walls, they go to war together. Political allies, are, they, they don't have faith. They, they have what's called trust but verified, which means I trust you, but not really. So you gotta validate this over and over and over again. But friends, family, Spouses, good relationships have an exchange of faith. What you say, I believe. And you don't need to validate it. I just trust you. And the beauty of that is when you have that and there's no walls in between or there's no constant validation between one of you, you have intimacy. You have joy. You have what the Bible would call love. And that's what God is after in us and for us that God is a God who wants to radically give. And we call that grace. And he wants his people to be ones who radically receive. And we call that faith. And so what I wanna do, just as we close, is I just wanna ask us a handful of questions to see whether or not we really have this faith and whether or not this faith really drives our life. And so I'm invite us just to enter into a posture of prayer right now. And you can close your eyes. You can just listen. But I'm going to ask you a series of questions that only you can answer with the Lord. And so the first question. Is do you have a faith that there really is a good, loving, sovereign, holy, just, merciful and gracious God who created all things? Do you have a faith that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life that you could not and he died on the cross for your sin and that he rose again three days later conquering sin and death? Do you have a faith that when you personally trust Jesus not just hear the good news but receive it believe in it trust in it that god cancels the debt of your sin that separates you from him and rewards you with eternal life with him do you have a faith that god doesn't just take care of your eternity but is taking care of you today Do you have a faith that God has a plan for your life that is good and for his ultimate glory? Do you have a faith that God rewards those who seek him with righteousness, grace, forgiveness, love, joy, peace, patience? Do you have a faith that God is in control that his way is best? That walking with Jesus is better than anything else this world has to offer? Do you have a faith that drawing nearer to Jesus is better? That spending time with him in his word, in prayer and meditation is worth every second? that better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere? Do you have a faith to obey God's revealed will in your life? Do you have a faith to follow where he leads? And the last question, do you have a faith that marks your life? Faith is the assured conviction of things hoped for, though we haven't yet seen them. And God is calling us into a certain type of living and a certain type of way to see the world, to not walk by sight, but to walk by faith, to know him and to trust him, to live the adventure of faith that comes from following him. So you put your yes on the altar before God and say, God, The yes is already there. Now, what would you have for me in my life? Do you know that when you walk with God, that even if it leads to hurt, hardships, and even death, every death in Christ always leads to resurrection. So in this life or the next, your faith will be commended, will be rewarded, it will be celebrated. And until your faith becomes your sight, let's walk by faith, not by sight. As we see him, know him, love him, trust in him, obey him, and find our life in him. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.